Hello, hi and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show and a midweek instalment of Bullet Points, where we'll be talking about self-help. It's gone from being an almost woo-woo space to being one of the most lucrative and at times aggressive and unattainable places you can look for help. This is an uncomfortable shift, so let's talk about it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, self-help. Let's really dig into this. But before I go any further, I have to fess up to, well, to a couple of things. First of all, when I started planning this episode, it wasn't a rant, but it is going to be one. And second of all, I have to confess that I have been a contributor to this space uh, for a prolonged period of time as well. So I really, people in glass houses, but please um, indulge me. So I had navigated depression and anxiety and in navigating it, I felt buoyed enough, and by navigating, I mean like work my way through it and past it, although recovery isn't linear. But I felt so buoyed by my recovery that it, I wanted to share what I had learned along the way. It was not a difficult journey, that partic- particularly that first part. Maintenance is a different story, but that first part wasn't comfortable, wasn't easy. And I even had guests on the podcast, some of whose books I would say I would credit with having helped me immensely. Think people like Jen Sincero, Gretchen Rubin and Marissa Peer. And looking back though, I think what all those people did rather than change my life, although I don't want to entirely dismiss their input and their impact, was to actually give me a vocabulary I hadn't previously had to articulate the complicated and confusing thoughts and feelings that were swirling around my mind. That, coupled with weekly therapy, gave me a vocabulary plus the tools to be able to describe my feelings, understand them, and therefore untangle them. And when you make sense of something that's been causing you pain or holding you back or making you unhappy, I think it's a very natural human response to want to share what you've learned so others who might be going through something similar can access those tools too. And so that's what I did. But a couple of years ago, I began to feel something was off. And I've talked about it before on the podcast, and I'm really keen to get your thoughts because it really did feel as though something in the air changed. Not overnight, but there was a very subtle Well, it wasn't subtle, actually. It began as subtle, but then it became quite an obvious shift. And I've said this, it's almost this idea that we want gurus. We want someone who is almost faultless and flawless, who only ever says the right things and who steers us in the right direction, Messiah-like. It's as though we need our self-help gurus to be perfect. Like your favorite columnist in a newspaper is somebody that you want to agree with every time you read their column. You want to nod along every single time or every time you listen to a podcast host that you like. You want to be able to nod along with them every single time. And the only way to achieve that really is to keep saying the same things. Um, A great example of this, the first person to really inhabit this guru space, I think, is Tony Robbins. He was doing this work years and years and years ago. And after Tony, there was a flood of self-help gurus. But I have to be honest, I think it was a flood that gathered speed with podcasting. So recently, in the last couple of weeks, 
well, it's been going on for a few months that I've been hearing these sorts of negative things about this particular podcaster, but recently it feels as though it's gathered a pace. Um, a very successful British podcaster who, much like the US's huge podcaster Joe Rogan, has been criticised for misinformation and platforming questionable people. So they are now being bashed online for their podcasts and the people that they put on the show and how the experts tend to contradict each other and how because of such a huge reach of the podcast, the information should be fact-checked with more care and expertise. And that's there are some good and very well-made points in this, but the whole point of podcasting in the beginning is that it was more informative and more relaxed than conventional editorial media. So when I first started, eight years ago nearly, I loved having experts on the podcast who would be able to answer the kinds of questions you would ask your GP, for example, but simply didn't get the chance to during your eight-minute appointment at the doctor's. And it felt as though it was a real service to people, to listeners, you guys, especially when I was speaking to doctors about, say, hormones, for example, which is a subject for which there are so many supplementary questions. And so much of it is so very, very personal that when you are in your GP's office, you're like, but this happens to me, that happens to me. But you tend to get, because of the time limits, more general advice. And I think there was a real appetite for much more specific uh, insights. And I think we can see that with a subject like the menopause, which, I mean, you go back eight years and you find me a podcast about the menopause, you will be hard pressed. But you look since there have been thousands, hundreds of thousands, I'm sure, about the menopause going into extreme detail. But as you might have heard me say before, it's kind of good and it's also bad because now the contradicting viewpoints on menopause are even more confusing. But that's a whole other thing. But what I wanted to make the point was that all of these people were very happy in those early days of podcasting, those doctors, for example, or those health specialists that I'm very lucky to be connected to through my job as a journalist. They were very happy to give their time for free to do a podcast, much like if you are somebody to contribute to a feature on a newspaper or a magazine, because they too wanted to make a complicated subject easier to understand. They weren't there for the grift. They weren't there to sell you their services or their supplements or to get you to go and sign up to their clinic. They were there to bust myths. They were there to make things simple. They were things to offer. They were there to offer clarity. And when it came to self-help, it wasn't really something, which is slightly different from hormone health, I, I grant you, but when it came to self-help specifically, it wasn't really something that, that very often made the pages of magazines and newspapers. Because as I said right at the very beginning, it was a bit woo-woo and there was no evidence other than anecdotal to confirm any claims, which is why it sat a little bit on the outside of everything until it didn't. Because the truth is, if you are a journalist and somebody says, hey, we've been able to prove this, they go, well, show me the proof, <laughs> show me the money, show me the data. And there's a whole other thing about how anecdotal evidence is somehow in this weird new age of social media outweighing science and evidence-based data. But there we go. I mean, there's that again, so many other discussions. But the point is, is that self-help suddenly got legitimized. And I think it tended, I think it happened around the time that podcasting really gathered pace. Now I would say that the UK is probably about three years behind the US in terms of the podcasting space. So the US was enjoying a massive surge in podcasting and um, we are about three years behind in the UK. So this is really, it sort of had a, a, a different rhythm if you like, but I think you can understand why it first really took off in the US and now it's really taken off here. And the biggest shift for me, honestly, is the monetization of self-help. If you've got the gift of the gab, 
if you're nice to look at, and if you've honed some key messaging into snappy, easy to remember affirmations or slogans, and if they rhyme all the better, then you can build an audience very quickly. Your content will be shared, your posts will be reposted, your interviews will be read or listened to, and your courses will be purchased. And that is something new. Obviously, Tony Robbins monetized this way, way back in the day, but it was a very different thing. But what are you actually giving people? If you're a self-help guru, what are you actually giving people? Are you giving them the tools they really need? Or are you letting them be a part of your gang where you look as though you've got life sorted? Because appearances is one thing, but actually being able to help somebody overcome some real challenges is another. And actually, I think this has really bothered me recently because I know of somebody through sort of a six degrees of separation, if you like, and I'll keep details light here because I'd hate for them to be identifiable, but they have created a course telling people how to do something they themselves did not achieve and they are making a killing. Now they got close to doing it or they got sort of into the neighborhood, if you like, but they never actually did it. And when I say they're making a killing, I mean financially they are making a lot of money, a lot of money, to the point where their lifestyle has changed considerably in the last two years. But their output is simply pretty social media posts, meaningless captions underneath those posts, and expensive non-refundable courses. So all it is, it's about the enticing people to believe them and then monetizing it. And in this instance, I've actually heard them say, it's like printing money. And dear listener, I balled up my fists at this point because it made me so cross. People work hard for their money and someone finding it amusing how easy it is to take it from them without giving much in return really grinds my gears. And so I want to discuss this in the Facebook group because I think we're all pretty smart, but it does feel as though you have to be extra on guard to avoid falling for a self-appointed guru these days, not just about self-help in the sort of traditional mental health space but in anything and to me it doesn't feel very it doesn't feel any different from a scam it really doesn't um because tricking somebody into giving you their uh, bank info so that you can take money from them from their bank account and doing the same thing with a promise of making their life better with no intention of actually delivering and it being their fault if it doesn't work is again feels very scam like and makes me cross because, and this is the point I wanted to get to, the best self-help advice doesn't have any bells or whistles. The proven methods for putting yourself back together, if you've fallen apart, actually don't cost anything. You already have the answers. You just need the clarity to be able to put them into practice. Now, I will say here, as an obvious aside, therapy. <laughs> therapy with a qualified mental health professional is an excellent strategy if you are struggling. And once maybe you've worked with someone like that, there are very obvious things that cost absolutely nothing that you can do. So I would say that for me, and again, this is anecdotal, So, but I'm not charging you for it, is if you make the time to move every single day, whether that's doing a workout or walking, then that's great. I love strength training. I also make sure I get out and walk every day my life is better for it. Nourishing my body with a balanced diet, making sure that I'm including plenty of vegetables, that definitely makes everything feel a little bit better physically. Great. Getting outside every single day, whether it's for your workout or your walk, but just making sure you get outside and breathe fresh air. Instantly uplifting. Getting up and going to bed at the same time if you can, infinitely helpful. Really, really makes a difference. Your body loves rhythm, so give it a rhythm to stick to. Paying attention to how people and places make you feel and only spending time in or with those that make you feel good where possible is another great strategy. It's amazing how often I would spend time with real, what does Jules von Hepp call them? Mood hoovers. Because I was almost sort of waiting for it to get good. It's not going to get good. 
to get out. Meditate, whatever that looks like for you. I've talked extensively about my meditation, but meditation doesn't need to look the same for everybody. Detaching from meeting other people's needs and tuning in with your own. A lot of us are people pleasers. We've talked about it a lot in this podcast, but if you can begin to switch that dial, that's great. Make sure you build some coping mechanisms, whether it's just saying to yourself, will this matter in a year when something happens or similar? Those are all great strategies and get good at saying no and meaning it. Now, some of these are easy to change overnight. Some take time, but if over time you are able to build any kind of rhythm around these things, then I honestly believe that you will see positive changes and I don't need your credit card info to share that with you. So do you agree? I would really like to take this discussion to the Facebook group because it's been really bothering me, especially last year when I was talking to somebody about, again, talking about the podcast space and someone saying, and I was saying, oh, so-and-so seems really good. And they were like, yeah, but so ambitious. And I thought, oh, okay ambitious in the financial sense and I was like oh that makes me feel a bit icky so I just want to know how you feel about it I do think the monetization of self-help has moved us into a dangerous space where we where we could be being actually pulled further away from being able to help ourselves and closer to it what do you think do you agree or do you think I am just a bitter old lady um maybe I am (laughs) in fact it wouldn't surprise me I also um nearly four years after it all kicked off I finally come down with COVID so I'm feeling a bit rough today so maybe that's why I'm feeling angry and cross and um yeah angry and cross and also like my back hurts I'm going to go and lie down after this I would probably have gone into more detail about this but actually I think the best thing for me to do now is to uh, take my spectacles off. You know I'm not very well when I'm wearing my spectacles and not my um, contact lenses. And I think I need to go and maybe meditate again and watch Vanderpump Rules. That's also a great self-help strategy. If you haven't tried it, please, I encourage you. It um, For some reason, it's sort of, it's very calming, very calming and amusing and just sort of something that happens as you're just sitting there. Anyway, Let's talk about this in the Facebook group. When the show goes live, I'll put a post in the group to sort of say, what do you think about self-help gurus? And to see if anyone has had any similar experiences where they felt like they've got caught up with somebody, or not caught up with somebody, but really got excited about what somebody is promising and then perhaps realized that it's a bit of a veneer and that actually it's not very true. And maybe if it's cost you money, there's no shame in it. Um, They are very, very tantalizing and seductive, some of these people. I remember going for a walk with a friend a little while ago And she was talking about a very, very famous manifestation person from the US and how um, she hadn't been able to do the sort of homework. When she'd bought this course, she hadn't been able to do the homework um, in time. And so the course, the entire course got deleted. And if she wanted to do it, she had to repurchase it. And I'm like, that's how you know you're dealing with a charlatan. Well, not a charlatan, but somebody who is prioritizing the bottom line over actually helping you. Um, but maybe all's fair in love and self-help. I don't know. Please, let's discuss this in the Facebook group. And I'm going to go and lie down now because, like I said, feeling a bit ropey. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you um, would like to join the Facebook group, the link is in the show notes. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter where I'm at Emma Guns. You can also DM me everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. See, now I'm delirious. Um, Thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. And what's the other thing that you can do? Oh yeah, follow me on Instagram where I've already said that, haven't I? I am delirious now. It's time for me to go. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Bullet Points. I will see you, see you. I will see you on the next one.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.